This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler, but a more important fact is that I'm joined today on the mics by M1 MD PhD student Sahana Arumagam. Arumagam. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> M2 MD PhD student Brandon Skeen is here. Hi. M1 Brandon Bacalzo is here. Hello, hello. And M2 Mason Lamarche has joined us. Hey, Dave. How's it going? Is it Lamarche? Lamarche. It's a little bit okay, soft right yeah, now. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, it's got the E. Yeah, exactly. It's very French. Yeah, I've gotten Lamarche before. It's, mm-hmm. it's a whole over Those the... people are idiots. Yeah, Lamarche exactly. Lamarche, <laughs> uh, Thank you for being here today. Uh, As we record this, uh, the AAMC held its virtual admissions fair just yesterday, at which the Carver College of Medicine had a virtual booth uh, that actual pre-med students could virtually stop by and ask our actual admissions staff some actual questions virtually. Uh, A couple people took the time to say hello to us here at the Short Coat and give us compliments. I want to thank them for that. Brian, Alexandra, you know who you are. Thank you so much. Uh, for saying nice things about us to admissions um, so that they love us even more. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, it's nice to have validation. I just, you know, I love validation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I've got a listener question from someone who didn't leave her name, so I'll call her Professor Pyaldhai Urendeeper. Did you get it? It's, no. No, I'm not following. I, Piled higher give and me deeper. Like 20 oh, min- PhD. Oh. oh, I was going to say, give me 20 minutes to work out what you're trying to tell me, and then maybe I'll get there. I knew that was a script. It's clever. Yeah, it's well, clever. I'm... Well, okay. I stole it. It. <laughs> <laughs> it probably would have been more clever if I'd seen it written down. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. Uh, uh, so, uh, yes, here's the, here's the question we got. Hi, I have a question. I'm oh, wondering if you can tell a little bit more... Um, about the lifestyle um, of someone in academic medicine. I think that we are able to find out a lot about the lifestyle of people in different residencies, but I'm not so sure that I've been able to find anything that is helpful for knowing what that's going to look like um, for someone who wants to be, say, like a physician scientist or um, possibly a professor. Um, Thank you. Well, fortunately, Dr. You have come deeper. to the right place. We have a couple people on the show anyway who spend at least some of their time thinking about that mm-hmm. um, in the form of Miranda and Sahana. Um, and you guys may one day be enjoying that lifestyle, true? Yeah. yeah. I mean, in general, I feel like most people that you talk to, I mean, we get a lot of MD, PhDs that come through and talk to us about what their lifestyle is like, what the lifestyle looks like in different specialties you go into in academic medicine. And a lot of that depends on how you shape it. Like one of the best things about going into an MD, PhD is the fact that you have a lot of flexibility in your career path. So like, I think what's considered the traditional is to go into something like internal med, a PED, some kind of specialty, like something pretty narrow. 
and then spend about 80% of your time running a lab because that takes the most time. Running a lab is super labor intensive and takes a lot of time. And then like the rest of your time in clinic, either, you know, seeing patients, running trials, stuff like that. Um, most people who I've talked to who I, that's the kind of lifestyle I want. The model tends to work as you spend four days of the week running your lab and then one day a week doing your clinic day. And those are people that usually see a very specific patient population. Like maybe they see, you know, only patients with one specific or a couple of specific kidney diseases and they manage their care, stuff like that. So that's generally the more traditional route for academic medicine. So, yeah. And I think they also have like schemes where you might be like on service for like a week or two every so many months out of the year and then the rest of the time you like full-time manage your lab so I think it kind of depends on um, yeah how you prefer and like what type of specialty you're going into and what type of service you might be involved in exactly and there are also ways where you can manage more t like labor intensive um, like I think a while ago we had an MD PhD that came who was a um, surgical oncologist which that is a super like time intensive specialty and he managed it actually by doing more of a 50 50 split and then co-running his lab with someone else so it's like when he wasn't around to manage the lab full time he had like a collaborator that they basically ran the lab together so that like this is what i mean when i say that there's a lot of and then if you want to you can just say screw one of the degrees and be like i want to do all doctoring or all medicine which i know <laughs> strike that reverse it all science or all medicine <laughs> <laughs> And I think um, academic medicine, a lot of universities have like requirements of you have to teach like so many hours or uh, like per year. So but that can take different forms. It doesn't necessarily mean like you're always lecturing in front of a class. You could be leading like the types of small groups we have here. You could be having um, students with you for like their early clinical experiences or like um, for clerkships. So that kind of thing. So I think it, there's like a lot of different possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I found that a lot of MD, PhD physicians, at least in psychiatry, where I have a lot of experience, uh, tend to really tightly integrate their research with their practice, uh, especially in psychiatry, where you have the ability to say, you know, I want to see patients with this type of disease. Well, they might be doing a lot of significant research that would play real well into their their treatment of that disorder. Yeah. That's definitely the ideal if you can find it is to figure out a way to merge those two. And not everyone has that, but a lot of people do. So I was adjusting <clears throat> levels. Okay. So I, I was kind of I kind of <laughs> may, may have missed this. But did you talk much about teaching? Uh, yeah, I just mentioned okay. she mentioned it. Yeah. I mean, I think most people don't generally think about it just because if you go into working at any kind of academic medical facility, which if you want to go into academic medicine, you're gonna have to like general hospitals don't generally have you know phd spaces so you generally are going to end up at a university that not saying everyone will but most people end up at universities to go into academic medicine and those do have teaching requirements so like sahana said either lecturing or leading small groups and things and how much of how much time is devoted Ooh, to that here i think from people i've talked to it tends to take up like like five to ten percent of their weekly schedule ish like it's usually intermixed with both running the lab and running a clinic so it's like for example you might lecture you know a couple of weeks out of the year or you might you know lead small groups for a semester and that takes you know a couple hours a week so as far as i'm aware and some it, depending on your personality that's more of a burden than it is others i've met people that are like oh teaching is my favorite part of my job and then people are like i te i grit my teeth and i bear it so it it kind of depends but 
Teaching's hard. Teaching is hard. Really teaching, is. teaching med students is hard. Mm-hmm. We're brats. You guys are such We're horrible. In the ass. Yeah. We are the kindergartners of the medical <laughs> the, world. <laughs> You're like, I, I should have gotten full credit for that. Yes. <laughs> I feel so attacked right now. You just oh, take yes. every snobby kid you didn't like in middle school, and that's all of us. I know, it really is. It's like, you know the people who are in high school who like. I raise their hand and ask the teacher that uh, can you give us homework so or we can learn to be on the test. Yeah. Will this be on the test? We're those people. And I'm sorry because we're awful and I am one of them. And I feel re- and also any professors. And I'm saying this because I've done this once who like emailed who's saying like I got a B and I should have gotten an A. I'm so sorry. I realize the folly of my ways. That's you're so older much. now. I know I'm older and wiser you're and wi- I'm sorry yeah, to my PCAM yeah, professor. Yeah. You deserved better. A lot of us are also the type to be like at the end of class oh we had homework didn't we teacher yes. do you want our homework <laughs> <laughs> and then like later you get beat up by literally everyone in the school including the teacher <laughs> so yeah I, i've spoken to many physicians who are like i really prefer to teach residents rather than medical <laughs> students and i don't blame them and i'm very thankful for the the people that decide or have wanna, to or have to or have to <laughs> the people that to. tolerate us yes Mason, would you ever consider a career in academic medicine? Is this something that's ever interested you? Because you're you. When we talk on the show about things, you're usually pulling pulling facts <laughs> yeah. out of your thin air. I, I've I've toyed with the idea of academics. There's um, a lot of things. You know, obviously the MD PhD route is not the route I'm going. And people, you can still have an academic career with just an MD. That's not a, a sure. precluder in any way. Mm-hmm. Sure. But um, I, I worry with not having wonderfully dedicated MD, PhD, um, or just like really dedicated research scientists, um, that the quality of academic output is poor. And like, there's a lot of like pressure, I feel like on academic physicians to have some type of output, whether it's in the form of grants, papers, which seem to be like high yield, but also like just constantly publishing all the time. And sometimes I wonder uh, if that's the the appropriate goal posts we should be looking at as far as uh, measuring the success of academic physicians. It's not a lifestyle I want because I personally don't like writing that much about science Mm -hmm. Um, i see myself probably more in community practice at this point well for sure i mean we've all read stories about um the the i don't know the reproducibility crisis in medicine in 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 medical science and how that might be related to the fact of you know that you have to publish or perish and and so you're always you know i don't know maybe maybe tempted to put out studies of dubious worth yeah. Um, just to get your name in some some journal. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that's not a temptation that you all will fall into. But yeah, it's out there because it, it, the push is the push is real. Yeah, I mean it's a doggy dog world, and it's nice to. <laughs> she says casually, and um, it is nice to have. Well, it is. I do think it's valuable to have MDs only in the academic arena. I ser- and maybe this is just me being territorial. I'm not totally sure I like the idea of a lot of MDs running wet labs just because, or at least without having some kind of PhD collaboration, just because there's a lot that goes into like running like wet labs and running science. Well, but there's also clinical research. No, th- well. there definitely is. Yeah. And that's something I feel. And I'm again, I'm not going to put this up and say MDs shouldn't be in wet labs as a blanket thing. I'm just thinking that in general, I prefer to see MDs sort of stay more in the clinical research side and away from the wet lab side, just because running those labs is complicated. Getting grants is complicated and publishing good data is really complicated. So it's nice to know that like if you're an MD is going to run a wet lab to have someone who's had the research training. 
Yeah. And there's plenty of MDs who have that. I think the PhD is a nice signal because it is a formal training in it. So, um, but I think of like, we have Dr. Michael Shai here in neurology, who's an MD and runs a wet lab and yeah. is a world renowned expert on CMT. But th- that's because like, that's his focus. He operates as an MD PhD without, you know, having that PhD credential. Mm-hmm. So I hundred percent agree is if an MD is going to do it, you want to see them be really like well-rounded and well-mentored yeah. and especially like a good time commitment as well because it's like if you're going to be running a well and that's i think the big dividing factor is like if someone has the three letters behind their name you know that they've had the time commitment already so if like an md is going to branch out it's good for them to have that time commitment and being committed to it because that's how you learn really at the end of the day cmt is uh, cranial mucosal trauma is that close it's a uh, charcomerie tooth so not even close at all. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a yeah. It's, it's all the words. Neurology from problem, problem with some teeth. Not teeth. It's a it's a peripheral neuropathy. So oh, okay. fingers and toes. Got it. Teeth and the fingers and toes. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I understood it. That's that, that's bad when you have that. If anyone's interested more on academic medicine, um, Doctor Vinay Prasad, he's the podcast host. Can I plug in our podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. here? Hey. Um, why am I forgetting his podcast name now? Oh my goodness. <laughs> this Dave, is an A plus plug. <laughs> Anyways, Vinay Prasad, um, he's recently had a couple of podcasts. Um, it's called Plenary Session. Thank there you. you go. Thank you, Brain. Um, about <laughs> academic careerism and like what we should be like ideally shooting for in a, a perfect um, academic system. And one thing he harked on is academics is, is tough. It's not for the faint of heart. You should do it because you love the work. And that's why I appreciate about our MD, PhD colleagues is obviously they love the work. Like that's why you invest that much time into it. We do it so you don't have to. Well, good. Thank you for doing that. Um, if you have a question we can answer, or at least offer um, slightly informed speculation about, you can send it to the shortcoats at gmail.com or do what Dr. Erendeeper did and call us at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll bat it around. Yeah. We yeah, give it our good. best shot. We'll throw it around. Yeah, we don't get voice messages too often, so no. let's hear your lovely voices exactly. as entertaining it's as always those re- robotic <laughs> voices I was, are. Sometimes I wonder if I encourage the, the emails <laughs> right. with the robotic voice. Right. I know. It's just, it's so great when they mispronounce very specific words and they do it very confidently. Yes, but thanks for calling in. Yeah. Thank you. It's refreshing. <laughs> Given the problems that uh, plague the public rela- public service loan forgiveness program, we've always been a little reluctant to advise students to count on it when planning how they'll pay for medical school. Uh, now the president's budget for 2021 has given us a new reason to advise caution. The proposal would cut by $170 billion spending on student loans, and it would include sensible annual and lifetime loan limits. That's a quote. And it would reduce the number of options borrowers have to repay their student loans and it would eliminate the public service loan forgiveness program. So. I heard money and I started to phase out. Can you summarize that in like simpler words? I, I would be happy to because this yes, is my do. realm of uh, where I'm passionate about. So I haven't read this proposal because I'm very hesitant to read any proposal that hasn't actually gone through full um, reprieve. But basically it's saying there'll be a limit on loans. So let's say, let's arbitrarily pick a number like a limit on loans you can have is $700,000 in your lifetime. That is going to cover most medical education. What if you start bumping it down to 500,000, 300,000? So it's potential to phase out low-income students who may rely on loans um, to get through medical school. So there's one potential concern. The other thing with public service loan forgiveness, it's this option that if you work for 10 years for a nonprofit um, and give, I believe it's 10% of your gross income to the government. After 10 years, the remaining of your, the remainder of your loans are wiped away without having to pay like any taxes on them. 
So it's a great way to potentially pay off your loans considering that residency will count as part of your 10 years. Mm. So if you want to do, let's say you want to do a career in pathology where you do four years plus fellowships. And most times if you're an academic institution, those are going to be for a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So you could have six or seven years where you're paying only 10% of your resident fellow salary and you pay three years of an attending salary and then your remaining loans are just wiped away. So it's obviously a really good program for a lot of people who may have really big loans or people who want to go into primary care but may have their loan burden be greater than their expected income as an attending. Mm-hmm. Um, that very few people have taken advantage of so far because it's kind of complicated to get. <laughs> well, you have a bunch to- of people have tried to take advantage of it and have gotten like 99% is the number have been rejected. Yeah, I was going to say, don't the a lot of people who, who like do the 10 years mm-hmm. and then they're like, okay, let me get my forgiveness. Because well, they were, the paperwork, the paperwork was a big issue. Like yep. if you screwed up at all on the paperwork, you were done. So last year was the first year people could qualify for it, I believe. It was your last year or two years ago. And you have to make 120 qualifying payments. That's a payment for each month for 10 or yeah, for 10 years. So people first time going through this program didn't necessarily know how to set the paperwork up and they were initially rejected. I don't know how many people are going to actually get their payments back or if they're missing a few months. Some people started too late in residency and didn't know they were making qualifying payments. There were a lot of kinks in the system that and then they not careful. Right. And then they ironed out some of the kinks. And so people were like, all right, well, this is better. And now it's apparently and it's gone not going to be <laughs> part of so, i don't know it's hard to say yet i mean the, the congress could uh, turn right around and say no i don't think so what happens right. to all the people who up till now like say if last year they made was like the first year that they were qualifying who made like maybe seven years of payments up till now towards this program and then they take it away what happens don't to know those people we don't know i haven't seen the proposal but i would hope they'd be grandfathered in Okay. Right, that if you start your qualifying payments, you can finish them. But okay. obviously, I haven't seen this. Um, I mean, this is all very preliminary. The but the president's budget is needs to wend its way through appropriations and all that kind of stuff. And and um, but you know, my, I, I guess the message that I always try to send is, you know, look into it. Uh, if it's you know, assuming it's an option, you know, do your paperwork, but also plan on. Having a fallback, you know, to pay your to pay your student loans. Don't you know? Don't go crazy um, with your finances, thinking that you're that you're not going to be on the hook for it because yeah. you just don't know. Don't, I mean, this don't is put this all is, your eggs in one basket. Essentially, this is one of those things that's subject to political whim. Um, Which it shouldn't be, and that's fine. Well, maybe it shouldn't <laughs> be, but I mean, it is, and lots of things are, and you know, do the best yeah. you can. The best advice is to, as you're, if you are pursuing PSL, I'm speaking as someone who's probably going to, you know, pursue it as long as it's still around, um, is, is setting aside the money that would be what you'd pay on loans into a separate savings account so that if any point the PSLF goes down, you can now just bolus a ton of money mm-hmm. at your loans. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, you're paying yourself as if you're paying your loans. And then if PSLF works for you, great. You have a nice chunk of money set aside for the rest of your life. But um, the... Uh, it doesn't beat the fact that like doctors need better financial training. Yep. Um, so yes. another plug, boy, a lot of people might know us, but whitecoatinvestor.com is a great resource and he has some great topics on like PSLF, public service loan forgiveness. Um, and then the last thing on PSLF is it's not just for doctors. Like this is for... Um, In fact, it wasn't even really originally conceived as being for doctors as far as I recall. It was for like teachers, mm-hmm. um, social workers, uh, you know, yeah, sure. it's, it's meant for like those classic nonprofits. It just happens to work for doctors because we work in nonprofits through residencies usually, and we got a heck of a loan burden <laughs> on average. So, 
um, it'd be sad to see it go, not just for medical professionals, but for a lot of uh, other jobs that are underpaid compared to the value they provide to society. Guys, take a minute. Close your eyes. Are we taking a nap? No. Aw. Guided meditation by This is guided meditation. Okay, so nap time. Good. All right. But it's not meditation designed to make you feel calm. Think back to what it was like to get your acceptance letters. Did you, do you remember what that feels like? Can you, can you describe, maybe describe it a little bit with your eyes closed? Oh, well, uh, there's no reason, there's no real reason to have me have your eyes closed. I'm just (laughs) enjoying watching you (laughs) sit there with your eyes closed. (laughs) On this audio only podcast. (laughs) I can't find the microphone. (laughs) What was it like to get your acceptance letters? I cried. Did you? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually remember exactly where I was when I got the email because yeah. it was like the email didn't actually I'm opening my eyes to find the microphone. I didn't actually <laughs> the email doesn't say yes or no. The email yeah. says click on this link yep. to take you to the page and the clicking that link was a, the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. And then it goes to a video that says welcome to the class of 2022. And then I cried and called my mom. Yep. It's just so. Chris Cooper's gorgeous face staring yes. at you. Like, welcome. <laughs> and I, was, I loved it. Dr. Yes. Cooper's great. It was great. Yes. I was, was the acceptance that I got. It was coming out of another interview. So it was, it was very hectic, but it was, mm-hmm. it was relieving to know that at the very least, uh, I didn't really have to stress out too much about future interviews or getting in somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people who have had a similar experience applying to graduate programs knows that at least there's some solace in knowing that you got in somewhere. Yeah. For me, it also came like right after an acceptance or a rejection, excuse me, a rejection from a school that I was also in my top. Mm. Um, So that was actually kind of nice to be like, we don't like you, but we like you. So How, how how did that rejection feel? Oh, I, I cried then too. <laughs> the ups and downs of Miranda Skeen. Crying. Well, that one was also rough, and I'm not going to say the school because I don't want to put not. them on blast. That's but fine. like the idiots. Pro- <laughs> the problem was that they had sent me a rejection the month before, and then like two days later, sent me something that said, "Oh, our automated system." like screwed up so we don't actually know if you've been accepted or rejected yet and then a month later they came back just like no we're sure this time we were like really playing pinball with my wow well interesting that you mention uh that because uh in an apparent effort to get prospective students used to crushing disappointment mayo clinic (laughs) sent out 364 such acceptances and then rescinded them four hours later oh no Oh, that's even worse. Uh, one of those applicants whose name appears to, whose given name appears to be Wiggle Titties, <laughs> has apparently—that's <laughs> what it says—has apparently set up a GoFundMe uh, so that he can send two thousand pounds of Hellman's to Mayo Clinic's admissions director. Quote out of spite. What's the cost of Did this? Did he make the get all the money? Well, each rejected applicant also got a phone call from Mayo apologizing for the mix-up, expressing embarrassment and deep regret for increasing for quote increasing their stress during the tense admission season. Uh, Mr. or Mrs. For emotional trauma. Yeah, I know that's a lawsuit. Mr. or Miss Titties only raised uh, forty dollars. <laughs> $40 of the $3,500 goal. Uh, he or she told uh, KIMT3 News in an anonymous interview that the campaign was a joke. So No. Oh, I was no. literally about so to go donate. Did so. they send 40, $40 worth of mayo? Yeah, I well. I hoped. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was an all or, all or, nothing. An all or nothing GoFundMe, but. I know, because I think someone commented on this that said, because um, when you, you know, accept somewhere to a medical school, um, a lot of times, if that's your first choice school, you'll then start like, you know, taking back yeah, that's, that's offers from other worst. places. 
because it's like you don't want to hold on to an acceptance if you're not going to go there because then they can give that spot to someone else right. common decency yeah it's just it's considered polite to just let the school know that you're not planning on going there but then if people got that acceptance and were like woohoo by you know harvard or whatever and then i, I don't know how i don't know these people and <laughs> <laughs> i'm assuming that that's people to get into mayo but uh, <laughs> yeah this is something that occurs to me every time i send a mass email oh, i didn't even think about yeah. that mm-hmm. Every time I send a mass email, uh, I get the shakes. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I am intending to send the email. Never mind, like... Right. Could you imagine being the admissions officer sending out this email and then perhaps five, ten minutes later... Realizing, realizing what they did. I know. I guarantee that you... That your incoming it, it, class of 2024 <laughs> will be approximately 500 people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee my... Uh, I guarantee you from personal experience that it was... As soon as whatever button was clicked. Oh, yeah. That moment. I don't know. There's some clarity in that moment. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. This, like, not on this scale because acceptance is different from interviews, but this happened to me for an interview offer during med school applications. (laughs) And uh, I'm really glad I held off on getting a flight and everything because it was like, (laughs) oh, you know, we can have you come interview this week. And then, like, I was all excited. It was a school I really liked. And then, like, 24 hours later, they're like, sorry. This happened oh. to everyone. Oh man! And I was like, "Oof! I'm glad I slow played that one because usually yeah. it's like, oh, I'll just set this up immediately before do I you forget." Think, yeah. Do you think that's why the email contains it or just says "click here"? I don't think so. Because <laughs> I would want to, if it were me designing the system, I would want to figure my, I would want to uh, figure out like some sort of way out. That would actually right. be it's not kind like of permanent. There's no permanent record seconds. of them like. <laughs> Offering you the interview. Well, but it also shit. I gotta put an HTML (laughs) redirect in there. But it would also. But what you said there could be kind of smart because then you could have in your database like accepted, rejected, and then instead of being the email that lets them know, it's like click on this link, and then the server that we've actually spent a lot of time and effort on takes care of it. But then you need to click on the link, and they click on the link, and it's like we're not ready yet. That I'm fine with that. We're not ready yet. Uh, Just give us. Another four hours. <laughs> Free med tips. Listen, I would take that over like the whiplash. Mm-hmm. Like I would take being like, oh, you've given because at least then I know you have a decision, and it's like I'll let you work out the technical kinks. But I mean, I'm not gonna be happy with you, but right. I won't be also emotionally crippled forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, if you were one of these people who got uh, who got this uh, uh, horrible news. Um, send us a message. Call send us. us a message. I, I, you know, we're 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 laughing, um, but it's it's horrible. It yeah, really is. it's horrible, it really and is. we're sorry that you had to go through that. And and also just know that there's a, a poor admissions person on the other side who um, has been has fired. probably yeah. been changing their pants for days. <laughs> and if you end up at Iowa, I'll have a jar of mayonnaise with your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you ever wanted the DNA of a member of the global elite? Yes, please. Well, I have, I mean. That's a very fast answer. I mean, you could. This is something you've been thinking about. You could take the Stormy Daniels route if you want, Brandon, uh, uh, to accomplish hard. that goal. But that's gross and inefficient. There is a better way. Ooh, tell mm-hmm. me more, Dave. An anonymous group calling themselves the Earnest Project, and the S there is a dollar sign, uh, oh say God. they have the double helices of a few world leaders who attended the 2018 World Economic Forum Forum in Davos. On February 20th, they held an auction in New York of what they call, quote, predictive artifacts, unquote, that they say 
presents the opportunity to gain granular genetic insight into a class traditionally resilient to data collection. Up for bid, item 401, is a breakfast fork of stainless steel and organic residues, according to their brochure, uh, estimated to go for 32,000 to 36,000 US. Uh, its, companion, its companion item is number 402, a muesli parfait vessel of glass, steel, silicone, and organic residues, which they hope to get at least $42,000 for. Uh, there's a Bordeaux wine glass containing significant liquid and user residues. Uh, there's a serviette. What's here? a serviette? It's a, it's a napkin. napkin for us unwashed masses and Australians. <laughs> oh. And apparently... Sahana. <laughs> so, Sahana's on the global elite. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, which also has organic deposits that they figure is worth about 8,000. Paper cups, cigarette butts, quite a few human hairs and swabs are also up for grabs. I want to go ha first. I have a really important question. When you said earnest project, is this E-A-R? Okay, because I thought... N-E dollar sign T. Amazing. Because I wasn't sure if it was E-R and it was just a SoundCloud rapper auctioning off. As much as I'm like very anti-establishment, like even in like screw evil rich people, something about this is just like weird to be like genetic. How do you Taking the genetic code of these people. So if you go to the... waiting outside by the dumpster. Yeah. You know, I meant no, to... No, it's the catering service. It seems just, like, like some Mission Impossible level of logistics to get these things and be able to correctly identify them with the person who, it's like that, you know, yeah. used the fork. Well, it's like that scene in National Treasure where he's trying to get uh, the lady's thumbprint. So he, like, goes up and gives her the champagne flute and then she doesn't drink it and then you, like, take right. it back. It's, uh... I mean, I, I, I get where they're getting at. I think they're making more of a statement than anything else about... Uh, how you know our rate of technological That's... growth and and gathering of, of yeah. genetic data is? I mean, it does seem like a bit like an art project, um, right? Uh, I've I've uh, taken I've brought up the brochure for this uh, collection. Um, so we've got that's wow. a, that's a human hair there. Each um, each uh, item that they show in this book, and I guess there's more. By the way, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, uh, Angela Merkel, um, Elton John, Benjamin Netanyahu, all these people, these oh, that's big weird. famous oh, yeah. people that's, were there. That's weird. That's one fake wig. I have there. to say, this um, brochure is fork. very professional. That's gross. This uh, <laughs> brochure is like insanely professional looking. Right. Yeah. Like this looks like something that you would see for sale at an art gallery. Yeah. It's like mm -hmm. all the glossy photos. It really does seem like an art project. The fork says it, it was collected like it. from Congress Center. Uh, What's Congress Center? I don't know. It's a place, I guess. So, so once you buy the object, they'll tell you like whom it, whose is this really information's on it. This <laughs> I've got, we've got a, we've got some sort of like uh, a soldering station here, <laughs> right? The, they've suspended a to... mason jar from two little alligator clips yep. on a metal hook. Because that's how science. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> uh, that is how science. With beautiful close-ups of. The, res the residue. residue. This one was also collected from Congress Center, obviously, with its companion. We've got uh, collected from Corner of Promenade and Gubernstrasse, I guess. Um, so somebody you. just left their Bordeaux <laughs> glass. 
at the corner of a street and they were like, well, take that. Here's a napkin with a bunch of crap on it. Well, but like, how do you know that these napkins weren't just used by like some random waiter? Yeah, you don't. Constant surveillance. I mean, maybe. Well, but, yeah, because they're not telling you who they belong to. I was expecting them to be like, oh, right. this is Donald Trump's teacup or whatever. Right. That's like, why I'm thinking it's more of like a, a statement. It feels, like, yeah, like the more I look at this and how shiny and glossy it is, I mean, listen, mad props to whoever thought this up because this is kind of, I mean, it's cool in a gross way. I don't know the word for that. So someone took Global Elite's DNA, then is deciding to sell it at prices of which people who are only of a higher elite <laughs> status can get it. <laughs> yeah. And then to do, do what with it? it. Whatever know. they want. Sequence whatever the, it. Whatever they want. By the way, site. this this picture here is uh, a promised upcom- upcoming offering, which is uh, bread fortified with nutrients extracted from Davos attendees. Wow. Ew. We are really getting... <laughs> Like Ubermensch vibes here. What does that mean? What? Nutrients? They took, what does that mean? Nutrients? They, How? They, they're the processes right there. They took the hair. They put it in some uh, HCL solution. Dave, uh, I think so I'm in a gag. When you say nutrients, you mean, oh, we took some hair and shoved it into this bread. Well, if you eat it, I guess it's nutrients. It's not. No. Wow. That's incorrect. Oh, that's there's a little there's a little picture of the uh, the crystallized uh, remains or the crystallized residue that they then put in the bread. <laughs> hey, have you ever wanted to eat Donald Trump's dandruff? Well, the Donald's project has you freaking covered. <laughs> oh. I don't know who has that dream. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm also going to borrow something from one of my other favorite podcasts, which is some one of our listeners has just discovered that they are in possession of the world's worst fetish. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you've got a if you've got a spare, you know, eight to forty two thousand dollars lying around, maybe we all you do. could possibly come into possession. But like, of- okay, let's take this seriously because I want to know if you had access to the a DNA fragment of the global elite, what would you use it for? And now I also expect this to become my new first date question. So mm. yeah. you could publish like, oh, they're susceptible to like XYZ disease. Like, there could be some good. big politics there. Yeah. You could yeah. say this person isn't fit for public office right. because they're prone to X, Y, or Z. Ooh, yes. Ooh, that is spicy. I like that. That's good. I don't. Fe- I mean, I feel like this isn't so. Or find their illegitimate like children. Have- <gasps> yeah. On ancestry, that would they're not who be they ooh. say they kind are. Kind of scandalous. Yeah. Like I, you get the impression from looking at this. Like if this is real, you get the impression from looking at the brochure and reading where they found stuff that all they have is like I picked up the cigarette butt, <laughs> right, from the ashtray right. in the in the in the Hilton. But it's possible that they paid like this is what i would do i would pay the staff mm-hmm. to keep an eye out you see uh you see um i don't know let's just throw a random name out there totally unthought of beforehand uh donald trump put down <laughs> uh you know his his serviette <laughs> and uh and then and then i would dart right over grab it and get paid a few uh, thousand but maybe a, a couple thousand bucks and so if they're able to you know sort of document the provenance right I mean, of that napkin uh wow 
I mean, that's the kind of thing that people just do anyway. It's like if you see a celebrity, I mean, I wouldn't, but obviously I wouldn't. But like if I were just walking somewhere and I saw a celebrity throw a cigarette butt away, I'd be kind of tempted to go get that and sell it on eBay. Like that's the kind of thing that can make you money. Yeah. But there's probably so much bacteria on it that, you know. Yeah, but it's like Scarlett Johansson's bacteria. Turns out (laughs) Jeff Bezos is actually C. diff. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no, not Jeff Bezos has C. diff. Jeff Bezos is C. diff. He is. He is C. diff. We've verified it (gasps) through his cigarette butts. This is breaking news. Right. Um, Yeah, I mean, if... You know, I'll just put it out there in the world. If if there's ever a uh, if there if ever ever member of the global elites are here at the Carver College of Medicine, just give me give me a call. Right. I'm not saying I'll we do can it. Work something out. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'll do it. But you know, do what? Collect their oh, you know their coffee <laughs> their cup or their their serviettes. Because <laughs> we have serviettes. We're in Iowa. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I mean, I love Iowa, but we don't have serviettes in Iowa. Oh. I think that's just the normal. Than what Australians call napkins normally. Yeah. Wait, that's an. Aust- I thought that was like a fancy rich. It is a fancy rich, but I think in Australia for and some Australia. reason it's just what we. It's just call. yeah. Oh. I don't know. That's what I. That's what I gather. I wow. could be wrong. I learned something. There you go. Shortcoats, I want to let you know about an opportunity to get your fiction, nonfiction, and poetry published in our Examined Life Journal. The Carver College of Medicine is looking for writing about health and the human condition for issue eight, due out in October of this year. Literally anyone can submit their work at the Examined Life Journal. I'm going to say that again. TheExaminedLifeJournal.com. And look for the journal at the University of Iowa's table at the AWP, the Association of Writers and Writing Programs Conference in early March, and the 2020 International Health Humanities Consortium Conference at Vanderbilt University in Nashville at the end of March. Uh, Kate, uh, my boss, is going to be there, and she'd love to talk to you. Hmm. Let's play a game of Dr. Forehead. (laughs) We've all played this game before, but here are the rules. Uh, there is a, here's a stack of, uh, cards I have here on those cards are written something could be something in the news, let's say that I found, uh, could be a concept, a thing, a person, um, all relating to what we talk about on the show. Sometimes, uh, you will each take turns taking a card without looking at it and putting it on your forehead. So everyone can see it except for you, your job, guess the words on the card by asking yes or no questions. Um, what sort of time limit should I? impose oh goodness i mean i don't have anywhere to be okay (laughs) no time limit uh let's start with um hey short coats i'll break in here to say that uh, sahana's card reads opioid vending machine put it on my put it on your forehead all right is it upside down should i No, you are right side up okay okay this is an odd one. Um, so it's like anything. It's yeah. It is okay. anything. Um, anything. Am I a person? No. No. Am I a place? No. No. Am I a thing? Yes. yes. Am I an animal? No. no. A food? No. No. Um. Is there a limit to how many questions I can ask? No, I'm no, just counting. counting. I don't okay. know. <laughs> um, just having fun. Am I like an object? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, would I Many be, things are objects. Okay, would I be found in this room right now? Definitely not. Okay, would I be found in a doctor, in like a hospital? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Theoretically. I'd say yeah. Yeah? To make it easier, yeah. Okay. Yes, we'll okay. make it easier. Um, 
I don't think ordinarily, though. Not I mean, ordinarily. It, it, it could be. I was going to say. Well, where else does it come well, from? I was going to say, just hypothetically. Can we say hypothetically? As yeah, yeah. Answer? Hypothetically. Okay, hypothetically. Yes. Uh, that didn't help at all, did it? No, no it really didn't. Um, <laughs> okay, is it something that I can, like, pick up and use? No. No. Okay. Um, is it electronic? Yes. Yeah. It has electronic Halfway. parts. Yes, it's got yes. electronic yeah. parts. It has electronic. Yeah, parts. they're electronic. Okay. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll even give you. It's electromechanical. Mm. Um. So, <laughs> do I watch it? No. no. Do I he- listen to it? No. no. Um. Okay, an electromechanical thing that hypothetically could be found in a hospital that I wouldn't watch or listen. All right. Here's a hint. It gives you something. Is it a vending machine? Yes. Yes. Force. There's another word. What would you like to vend? In a hospital. Soda? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. Um, no. Like a medication vending machine? Yes. yes. Pick Specifically, a pick a med. Any med. An antibiotic vending machine. No, no. That's a good idea, but no. You're, that's a dangerous idea. I think that's a terrible idea, idea actually. <laughs> I, saw, I thought it was about a good. That. It was a good guess. Yeah, yeah it's a good guess. Um, are these prescription medications? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. That are coming on vending machine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> is it a painkiller vending machine? Yes. yes. Yeah. Specifically. Is it a opioid vending machine? That yeah. is right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Where the U- is this from? The U.S. isn't the only country with an opioid addiction problem. A Vancouver, B.C. epidemiologist recently set up the MySafe project, a vending machine for hydromorphone, a drug twice as powerful as heroin. It's intended as a safe alternative to fentanyl and other street opioids. Though the effort isn't, of course, universally popular. So, I, by the way, I'll put links to these stories on the on the website so that you can so that you can check them out. All right, uh, next one. The card for Mason's forehead reads, Unmarked Grave. All right. All right. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's not good. That hurts me. All right. Um, am I a person? No. No. Am I? Uh, no. Um, am I uh, an animal? No. no. Am I an inanimate object? Yes. 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 Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I am absolutely an inanimate object because there was a lot of hesitancy around <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a reason for that, but oh. it falls, yeah. in, in, a it, it falls in that category. Am I a robot? No. 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 Okay. I wish, man. I wish too. Um, <laughs> am I a building? No. No. Nope. Okay. Am I a medical device? No. No. Uh, wow. I'm lost. It's um, not a building or a medical device. I'm lost. I don't know. I don't know. That's all I know. I've just been in a building touching medical devices for the past six weeks. I know nothing else. Um, am I an opioid vending machine? You are no. not. Oh, that would no. be mean, Dave. That would be rough, but you got to cover your tracks. Um, can I have a hint? Uh, Let's say you take too many opioids. <laughs> okay. Okay. Am I, that's a hint. Uh, that seems like a good one. Where, where, uh, where, yeah. Where Am I a naloxone dispenser? No. No. That's like an opioid vending machine, but <laughs> the oh, actually, opposite. Can I have I want to give a hint and I think this is okay, a hint. You are both an object and a place. Yes. I'm an object and a place. Am I like a telehealth center? No. 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 You're not a building. Unless you're, really you're not a bad building. I think I'm a building. <laughs> you're not a building. I promise Guys, you're not a building. Talk me off the edge, I'm a building. Um <laughs> Oh. Oof. If you if you if you if you took too many, as you as you started to say, if you took too many uh, uh, opioids, you could end up here. 
Hmm. <laughs> I am... I'm comatose? I don't know. More, I'm more opioids. Step <laughs> more I'm, opioids. I'm dead. I'm in a graveyard. I am the yeah, graveyard. Yes, you yes. are in a graveyard. You're in a yeah. graveyard. Yeah. Specific attribute. I am an elephant graveyard. Nope. Yes. <laughs> no. I watched The Lion King recently. That's uh, where I would have gone. Where <laughs> elephants go to die. <laughs> um, I'm... What's the reference? I don't know. I don't want to say anything too morbid. Because someone just said yeah. opioids it's pretty, and graveyards. It's pretty morbid. It's morbid. It's pretty morbid. <laughs> Am I like an opiate graveyard? Am I where? No. No. They dump people. No. Hmm. Uh, what did you say? They dump, dump people? I'm a dump? No. Well, no. It's just what my mom says about me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, graveyard. Okay, so. Sticks. Hill graveyard. Huh? A what? Hill graveyard where they throw old. That's no. such a good guess. That's, that's not it, though. Thank you. Without my self esteem needed that. <laughs> So, so, uh, yeah, you might end up here if you took too many opioids and you, and had, you, no and you had no friends or family, you might end up in a grave. That is. Shallow. <laughs> Close. Close. You, I feel like I haven't been wrong with you. Any really, you that. really couldn't afford too much of a funeral. Yeah. Or any. Or any. Or any. I'm in a. A poor person's graveyard? I am yeah. a poor person. You're, you're close. 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 What's and, and those are generally, do those usually... Uh, a pauper's grave. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm going to... I'm going to give it to Please, please, put, please put me out of my misery. It's, it's an, an unmarked, unmarked grave. grave. Oh. Fundraising is underway to give the U.S.'s first black female doctor a headstone for her grave in Boston. Rebecca Lee Crumper, M.D., got her degree in 1864 from the New England Female Medical College. Uh, friends of Hyde Park Library and the Hyde Park Historical Society also hope to raise enough to give her husband, Arthur, a headstone as well. So, you know, That's it's cool. not as morbid as you thought it was. No, it's just very bringing... kind. No, but when I'm being fed, it's opioids and people are dying. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say <laughs> here. I blame Brandon. I blame Brandon. Yes. yes. I'll take full blame for, for driving <laughs> the story. I know you have to go immediately to, hey, guess what would happen? Well, if you, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to tie things in here. All right, here's one for you, sir. Oh, yes. Brandon's card is Bat Soup. Wonderful. Am I a place? No. Give me a peek. Give me a peek here. Nice. Okay, never mind. Oh, okay. My person? No. My thing? Yes. Okay. Would I exist in a medical setting? No. No. Hope not. Okay. Maybe. Although some, you know. Maybe in some cultures. Does this thing have... A, uh, a moral value placed on it. No. 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 Well, okay. No, it shouldn't. It should not. <laughs> oh my goodness. Where do I go from here? Um. Mm -mm. Am I dangerous? Potentially. You become to, dangerous. To certain animals. <laughs> to certain animals. <laughs> what? Okay. No, I think. Don't listen to that. No, that's no. a bad hint. That's <laughs> a bad hint. Yeah, that's, don't that's, listen to that. That's, that's more of a joke, okay. but no one knows the punchline yet. I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> Am I found in society? Yes. Yeah. Oh, what kind of question? Am is I found that? in the environment? Uh, no. Part of you is. I mean, no. <laughs> so it's worse than mine. Ask, go back to like are, the are, basics, are, like I mean, animal, just, vegetable, okay. plant, mineral type of thing. things found in the environment? I was thinking more out in the wilderness. Where, okay. But, well, no, you're not. But we're having complex philosophical discussions here. Uh, am I? Uh, so we've established that I'm a thing. That's pretty yep. much what we've established. Am I? Uh, am I a living thing? Once. No. Once. Once. Uh, have I died? Yes. I yeah. would hope well, so. Yeah. <laughs> I get your question now, but yeah. Okay. Um, uh, am I buried somewhere? No. No. Nope. No. 
uh, has anyone taken the time to, to, to take care of my my mortal remains? Define uh, take care of. As in, like, I they've don't know. done something with your. They've mortal done something. Remains. <laughs> oh man, I'm hitting a brick wall here. Yeah, Should we are. clarify that you are not necessarily a person in this metaphor? Right. Yeah. He, right. He asked person. Okay. I'm more of this abstract. Okay. Well, no, no, no. It's no, not abstract. That's what I'm saying. Go back to your basics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're pretty concrete. You're yeah. concrete. It's a thing that you could pick up and. Okay. <laughs> Maybe eat. Am I an animal? Yes. You, you were, you were once. Were, yeah. A formerly living animal. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I a mammal? Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. Am I closely related to humans? No. No. Okay. Well. No. 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 Don't. Not, Don't give confusing so answers. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we do on this podcast Maybe. is give confusing answers. Yes. Um, no, you're not related to animals. Well, in Transylvania you are. In tra- oh my God. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Am I a bat? Yeah, but something but, but now you're something more. Am I a vampire? No, no. no. But if now I'm something more. Something more. Something what more. Is something more savory. Ooh. Oh my god. <laughs> Am I a, a a bat that has been used as food? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Specific a kind of food. A specific kind of food. Uh, would you have me for lunch? Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Am I tied to any specific time of day? No. no. I would say no, except generally breakfast. Okay. What? Generally it, it, breakfast. No, not breakfast. Not, not generally time breakfast. Time other than breakfast. Time other, other than breakfast. Okay. Preferably so without garlic. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh, quit it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not catching on to these hints even. I think that's a vampire joke. All right. Um, well, uh, oh, can uh, I give a hint? Yeah, okay. Please do. You could conceivably be paired with salad. Ooh, am I a bat dressing? No. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing. Paired with a it's salad. A good guess, Just think if you were to have unlimited salad Ooh. breadsticks and pasta. No. That's what I would have guessed. No. No. That it's a comfort awful. food. Yeah, <laughs> what, is, like, what is a comfort food on like a cold day? Yeah, if you were at Panera oh. and you can pick two things, one of these. Ooh, might... bat soup. Yeah. yeah. Bat soup. There you go. Oh, there we go. Uh, racism oh. against Chinese people is on the rise thanks to the COVID, the COVID-19 epidemic in China. A recent video featuring a woman eating a bat with chopsticks um, had prominent bloggers and Twitter users condemning, quote, dirty Chinese eating habits. Uh, the problem is that the video was of a travel show host eating the dish in Palau, one of the Pacific Islands. That's not even that... Mm. I mean, obviously that's horrible that people were condemning that, and that's also just not that gross. Like, what? I can you know, think of like, a lot worse things to eat than a bat. Yeah, like, who was the first person to look at a lobster and go, mmm, yeah, that looks delicious. Like, we eat freaking disgusting or a, things. Or a, a, a cow, even, like... I know, it's like... You, oh, I don't get it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drain that cow's udders and then <laughs> and feed it to my babies. <laughs> yes. Also, hot take, but like I was recently, someone recently kind of pointed out to me that it would be a lot better for the environment if we could, could just convince people to start eating more bugs yeah. and like get mm. bugs into our supply because they're like a lot easier to farm to maintain and a lot easier for the environment. Yeah. I have considered purchasing some bugs for us to eat on the show. Ooh. Oh, I would go on that show. Tell me would when you? you're doing that yeah. show so I can not. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't generally do that. <laughs> <laughs> Like, would you buy, like, the flour and then make us, like, cricket cookies? I could do Ooh, that. That would be, that'd be, that'd be good, good, actually. I, I, yeah. uh, 
the people make cricket chips. They're a thing. They're good. So, yeah. but does everyone know like why the bat is particularly the problem here? And like the I don't racism? Know. Well, it's people, because people were like, oh, those those. First of all, the the pre- presenter of the of the show was Asian, and so people yeah. assumed that they were Chinese, and they were uh, eating something weird, and you know the well, the bats are reservoirs for coronavirus. Like that's where the SARS outbreak mm, emerged right. from, and right. that's where hypothetically the COVID. So I, it's part of like feeding into that on top of the racism so like it's a very specific it's the animal it's not that it's a weird animal it's that it's a reservoir for this virus it's not really hot in the news okay the more fair you enough know. but my point about bugs still stands yeah <laughs> it's a, but equal and important but. yeah um, be, don't be dicks to people yeah, guys yeah, yeah, yeah. come on i mean i know i'm preaching to the choir our listeners are all moral paragons but you oh, know yes. just as a general rule miranda's forehead card reads hair splinter Huh, okay. I don't know what that is. Uh, hmm. Am I a person? No. no. Am I a thing? Yes. Yes. Uh, am I an animal? No. Vegetable? No. Mineral? Not quite. Okay. Not quite. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> I think no. Okay, Solid no. no. Solid, <laughs> Solid no. no. All right, good. Am I something electric or no. a piece of technology? No. Okay. Uh... Am I a place? No. No. I <laughs> see I'm just ruling things out. Uh hmm. Am I smaller than a microwave? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Am Ooh. It's a great strategy not yet uh un- not yet used in this game. Yeah. Right. Am I larger than a computer mouse? No. No. Uh, oh, I'm smaller than a computer mouse. Yeah. Wow, I'm tiny. Am I, the size of a an insect. Yeah, about. Sure. Yeah, about the size of an insect. That doesn't narrow anything down. Uh, yeah, there's lots of small things. Yeah, there's a lot there of small really things. Is. Oh, okay. Since we're on a medical show, would I be found in a medical setting? Yes, possibly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Am I a nanobot? No. Aww. No. <laughs> oh well, it was worth it. Worth it. Worth the question. Yeah. Um. Am I something that you want to find in a medical environment? I don't think... No. I I mean, you know, you might make a good case study. (laughs) Okay. Um, Am I... So, you know, what I'm saying is, you know, you might, but the sufferer wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got got it. Uh, Do I cause a disease that is known? Yeah. Okay. It's... Disease is a strong... Or maybe not the quite quite the right word, but it's not. It's okay. upstream of the disease. It is a medical condition. Mm-hmm. It's a medical condition caused by something about the size of an insect. Yeah. You bill for oh. this? Probably. Yeah, you would. There's okay. got to be a yeah an ICD ten. There's one for this. goose attacks. There's one for this. <laughs> <laughs> Being on fire okay. on jet skis. Yeah. There's. Am. Well, oh wait, hold on. You said I wasn't an animal, though. No. Correct. 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 And I am an object. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Am I in a place where I shouldn't be? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm starting to get a picture. Am I a toy? No. no. Oh, not that type not of picture. Not that picture. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I was thinking of a child's <laughs> toy. I wasn't thinking of... Still, I just spent a week on GI. You'd be surprised. Oh, no. I don't think I would. I mean, I probably would. Uh, am I... Okay. Am I lodged in a place that is above the umbilicus? Yes. No. Dependent. Uh, oh. I, I guess it doesn't. Yeah, I guess it could it be. It doesn't matter. It could be, be anywhere. Be Generally, anywhere. yes. If you're thinking. I'm thinking of this particular sense. news. I'm thinking of this particular story, which uh, <laughs> which is not appropriate. 
Okay. For for that guess. I see. So it could be anywhere. <laughs> but I will say it would be on the outside. Yes. Oh. Most likely. Okay, that just totally derailed my train of thought. Um, Thank oh, God. Sorry. I just... that, was, that was close. <laughs> Dodged a bullet there. I know we were really getting close to like something. To make sure anus. I click that explicit tag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I don't. Um. So Can I get a small hint? I'm kind of running yeah, into a wall here. Wood related. Wood adjacent. Wood, wood adjacent? Oh, oh. Am I used in carpentry? No. Oh. oh. Well, okay. Let's go back to wood. But it's something you might <laughs> get doing carpentry. Yeah, you might have this might yeah. happen to you if you were when doing some doing carpentry, carpentry or maybe uh carrying some wood. Oh, am I a splinter? Okay, yes. but now a particular kind of splinter. Okay. That's that not wood. Isn't wood. <laughs> Am I? Hmm. Splinter. Remember, you're tall. You're small. You're like the size of an insect. Well, roughly. all splinters are small. This isn't really helping me. I suppose. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Like. Again, I mean, you like could get a, splinter, a giant but... splinter. That's true. You yeah. Could, yeah. That'd be quite a. <laughs> that's called. Vampires a... are particularly susceptible <laughs> to giant splinters. That's true. <laughs> At that point, it's not a splinter. That's called being impaled. Yeah. Um. That's called trauma surgery. Anyway. Um. Uh, the first word, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do a rhyme. I'm gonna put you out of your, maybe Thank a little you. bit out of your misery. I'm bad at these. The first word rhymes with bear. <laughs> I'm gonna ignore that. Am I a splinter off something large? No, no, no. No, no you, that's you, a good you, clue. You, you should use that rhyme. clue. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely want to rhyme. Bear. Just start... Just start I, rhyming. I'm just going to start right. This is going to be real great audio, guys. All right. Someone drop a beat. Tear, hair. Hey, yes. Hair, yes. hair. A hair splinter. Uh, a man in Brazil was featured in the Journal of Emergency Medicine last year after he presented to the to a Brazil ER with foot, print, with foot pain. Doctors found a hair that had been driven into his foot, only one of about 26 cases of cutaneous pili migrans reported in the last 60 years. And I think that's kind of amazing that there's a name for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's just hair splinter in Latin. Probably, like, right? Like hair splinter in this, like cutaneous pili migrans. So migrans is like, it went somewhere. Pili is hair and skin. So it's hair in skin. So, But isn't most <laughs> hair in skin? I mean, the, yeah, wow. but hair in somewhere that moves to skin. Uh-oh. Hair in skin that, that shouldn't have been. <laughs> Well, it's our third visit with Elizabeth Fassus, med student and author of Making Pre-Med Count, Everything I Wish I'd Known Before Applying Successfully to Med School. Uh, we've been discussing some of the many aspects of being a pre-med student that they should keep in mind while they work their way toward medical school. Elizabeth, thanks for hanging out with me today. Thanks so much for having me again. So I wanted to talk about that personal statement. Mm. Um, you, I don't know. I think it seems like a like a big deal to a lot of people. What is it? Yeah, so definitely, definitely can be daunting if you don't know. Um, so the personal statement is basically, um, depending on what application you're gonna be sending it to, but approximately 5,300 characters where you get to write all about anything you want. There's no prompt, but why you wanna be a doctor. 
um, which can definitely be stressful because it's a lot of you talking about yourself and your passions and can be challenging. Yeah. Why do you want to be a doctor? I want to help people. That's <laughs> exactly. the, <laughs> needs to be a little bit more in depth than that, I imagine. Absolutely. So I think where people get really tripped up is that they they're like, okay, I've literally spent the last four plus years of my life showing you that I want to be a doctor, right? I've taken all the classes. I've taken the MCAT. I've yeah. done all this volunteer work. Like you think that would be enough. Um, what more do you need? <laughs> exactly. Right. But this is really the opportunity where you get to pull all of that stuff together and really tell them your story. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's sort of a built in time to, to brag about yourself basically in a, in a, hopefully a non braggy way. Exactly. Um, so who sees the personal statement? So the personal statement is the only piece along with your um, activities list that is actually going to go to all of the schools that you apply to. Right. We can talk kind of another time about secondaries that each have their each school will have their own set of questions. But the personal statement goes to every single one of your schools. So it's really, really good to be broad here. This is not the time to say, I really want to go to the university of blah, blah, blah. Um, it really needs to be. I want to be a doctor and I will go anywhere. Well, that's a great point. And actually, it's kind of a good thing because a lot of times you're expected to sort of individualize based on, you know, which school you're talking to or, or things like that. And this is one case where you don't have to do that. Yeah. And there will be plenty of time to do that in the secondaries. But yeah, the personal mm -hmm. statement is meant to be broad. Okay. So what should you write about in a personal statement? Great. Um, so I think the, the biggest mistake that I've ever seen student, students make is just give me a rundown, right? Oh, when I was five, my grandfather was sick. And ever since then, I wanted to be a doctor and here's my volunteer work and here's my research and please accept me. Right. But it really has to be a lot more in depth than that. Um, like I always recommend to students that they write about one or two or three maximum moments, three anecdotes that they can really say. These were moments that shifted my entire worldview. I was maybe interested in science. I was interested in doing this. But now that I've seen this patient, now that I've had this experience, I know that medicine is the only thing that I can see myself doing. Okay. So what are some do's and don'ts? Or the personal statement. Um, so I talked about the don'ts, right? This should not be a laundry list. Um, this is not like an ode to yourself. Look at how busy I am. I'm so good at all of these different things. Um, and the other don't is to say, mm -hmm. don't try to jump around, right? There, yes, like there, like I said, there's going to be a few anecdotes that you're going to talk about, but really they do need to be weaved together. And then the do would be pick one theme, right? How do you see yourself being a doctor? I remember I wrote about how much I want to be um, like an advocate for my patients, right? Because I'm very into social policy and very into kind of serving patients that don't often get to see physicians. So pick what your theme is. Um, and hopefully that will relate to the entirety of your application. But doctor as advocate, doctor as translator, doctor as researcher, doctor as teacher, how do you envision your own practice? And then, you know, that is how you should focus your application. And that's how you should focus your personal statement. Make it make sense to the reader. So, so one of the things that we say in the writing and humanities program, when we talk to medical students who are writing their personal statements for mm -hmm. residency is this is, 
this is the time to tell a story about yourself. Um, are there elements of storytelling that you uh, that you suggest people uh, use? Again, you want to keep it short and sweet for each individual anecdote, right? There needs to be a purpose to why you're telling me what you're telling me. And this is going to kind of happen automatically because you don't have a lot of space. So I don't yeah. need like all the nitty gritty details of every single moment that passed when you were in this volunteering program, but I do need to know what stuck out to you. And then again, draw it back. Why does that matter? Why does that make you want to be a physician? How is it going to make you a better physician? Right? So I guess every single paragraph needs to have a point, um, that then again, yes. you will kind of bring out through your, your experience of choice. So keep the story moving. Yes. Uh, in service to your in service to your theme. If it doesn't, if it doesn't pertain to your theme or your, you know, the point of your essay, then get rid of it. Absolutely. Um, maybe you can use that in a secondary answer or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. Which is another great point, right? That you are going to have the opportunity to talk about yourself like thousands of more times when the secondaries come in. You don't have to cram Hooray. everything into this <laughs> one essay. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else we should know about the personal statement? I would say start it early. This sounds really, really easy, but you are going to want to do multiple drafts. You're going to have multiple people look at it. So get a jump on it as soon as you can. Well, excellent. Next time we talk, it'll be about how to pick activities that are worth doing as a pre-med and how to write about them. Awesome. Uh, Elizabeth, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Can't wait. Elizabeth Fassis is a medical student at the University of Maryland. She did her undergraduate studies at Johns Hopkins and got her Master of Science in International Health Policy at the London School of Economics. Her book, Making Pre-Med Count, Everything I Wish I'd Known Before Applying Successfully to Med School, is published by Kaplan and is available at booksellers now. Anyway, well, that is our show. Uh, thank you, Sahana, Brandon, Miranda, Mason. Thank you for being my co-host today. Thank you for having us. And of course, thank you, Short Coats, for making us part of your week. If you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and wherever else fine podcasts are available. I remind you that your questions are vital to the show because they mean the show can be what you want it to be about. Be like Dr. Erin Deeper. Send questions and comments to the shortcoats at gmail.com. You can leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. While your podcast app is open, give us some stars and a review to let us know if we're doing right by you. Thank you. Uh, the show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Caposphere. Talk to you in one week. Bye. Bye.